I dag er jeg på den israelske ambassaden i Oslo for å møte Israels ambassadør til Norge og Island, Alon Rott, hans ekscellense Alon Rott, som har tjenestgjort her i fire år, og han har gjort det med verdighet og respekt for Norge, og han har blitt en venn av Norge, som savner sidestykke over alt går det gjetor om han som en som folk elsker og verdsetter, samtidig som det er motstandere som vi er vel kjent med fra norske medier. Men i dag så møter vi han for å oppsummere de fire årene og for å ha hans tanker om hva som ligger foran for Norge og Island og Europa i forhold til Israel og mulighetene mellom våre nasjoner. Følg godt med på denne siste samtalen med Alan Rott. Ambassador Alan Roth, thank you for receiving me here in your embassy. Thank you for coming. Happy to see you again. You know, it is, uh, it is sad that this, is, this uh, conversation is happening just a few days before you're actually leaving Norway. You know, sadness is always coming with joy. So, you know, I'm leaving, but someone else will come. So there will be the joy of knowing someone uh, new. In of course, this of course. Now, you have ha had about a four-year term in Norway this time, mm -hmm. but 40 years ago, you came on a bike through the north of Norway. It is, it is. How did that happen? <laughs> um, when I was in the beginning of my 20s, which was many, many years ago, <laughs> uh, I traveled, I wanted to see another part of the world, so I went to Scandinavia, and I uh, went to Finland at the time, and I hitchhiked and biked my way up north until I one day was told that the Finnish money I have with me is not good enough because it's Norway already. Ah. So uh, I knew that I crossed the border. And then, uh, yeah, and then I spent some time in the north of Norway. Beautiful area, beautiful people, Sam wonderful Sami land. Sami land and beyond. I reached Honingsvog, which I was in for a while and... Mm. Uh, it was very nice. Now, the, the, the love for Norway was clearly uh, created at that time. I do agree. I do agree. Until then, it was the legend land. You know, I still remembered my mother reading me books when I was very, very young about these kingdoms in the north with uh, snow and uh, no sun, sun during I don't know how many months. And here I am in Norway, in this majestic land. So yes, this love to Norway was created at that time, I guess. And of course, a lot of our viewers on the TV channel that I send my programs on are also in Iceland. And you've been an ambassador to Iceland as well. True, true. Israel doesn't have an embassy in Iceland. We are doing the work from here, from uh, Oslo, representing Israel in Reykjavik mm. as well, uh, which is uh, an interesting task, I would say. Reykjavik, uh, Iceland is such a beautiful country as well. Iceland is beautiful, and I think that both Norway and Iceland show how two relatively small peoples, yeah. in numbers at least, can really do wonders in very, very difficult environments, yeah. far away from the center, it can be center of Europe or uh, the equator, or whatever, but far, small, 
and in hostile environments and still do miracles. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I had just recently then uh, met you the first time and then I suddenly I was at the Holman Cohen Ski Museum uh, like almost three years ago, two and a half years ago, and I spotted you there and you were wearing skiing gear and you were there to, to celebrate the uh, uh, sports heroes of Kazakhstan and Norway. True. True. So are you a, a skier as well? Yeah, I'm skiing a lot. I'm skiing since I was a child. So uh, I'm familiar with this kind of beautiful sport. And I must tell you that uh, beyond just the mere fact of enjoying the ski, whatever, alpine, alpine or uh, what we call Nordic ski, yeah. uh, I think that skiing in Norway teaches you a lot about the people of Norway. Yeah. I mean, to see so many people. Yeah from older people in our age, I would say. We are still young, but <laughs> older people in our age. And to children in uh, ages that, uh, you know, barely walk, but yeah. already on the skis, you understand the attachment of these people yeah. to the land and to the ability to cope with this very difficult phenomenon that otherwise is very difficult, you know, it's snow and ice. For us Israelis, this is yeah. even dangerous in yeah. a way. Yeah. And still you see it as your daily habit, as part of your life, skis are extension of your body, and seeing it from the outside teaches, taught me a lot yeah. about Norway and Norwegian people. Exactly. Now, uh, you know, having uh, checked your schedule while you've been here the last four years, you must have been one of the most active ambassadors ever in this country. I think you have crisscrossed Norway as an ambassador. Uh, have you reached uh, half of Norway's cities and counties, do you think? I, I checked just a few days ago. I had the occasion or the opportunity to check in how many cities I've been, etc. I would say that I've done something like two-thirds of Norway. Wow. Uh, some, many for business, most of it for business and work, and some for pleasure as well during weekends and holidays. And I think that this, again, taught me a lot about Norway, the Norwegian people, the way you are doing things, which is different than the yeah. way it's being done elsewhere taking your constraints into account. Very big country, very long, far away from many places, with many centers. Yeah. Uh, if you go to Trondheim, or you go to Stavanger, or to Oslo, or Kristiansand, or Tromsø in the north, you find, in Bergen of course, you find different places. Or Jövik University, etc. And if you don't travel, and if you don't meet the people exactly. in their homes and uh, working places and sometimes farms, etc. I don't think you really understand Norway and I think that you will, be, you will find it uh, more difficult to do your diplomatic job, which is not just in Oslo. So this is why I did it first and foremost for work, but I must say that I enjoyed this uh, beautiful country yeah. with... Uh, I can begin with superlatives from here till tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Sir, um, of course, uh, being the ambassador of Israel, you, you, your uh, a main concern is about the communication around the security situation for Israel and cooperation in that regard. But also, I would think that a lot of your energy is into uh, trade opportunities and representing uh, 
goods from Israel uh, to Norway and Iceland, and uh, perhaps the other way around also from Norway and Iceland to Israel. Uh, what do you think, uh, which special uh, blessings uh, are you as an ambassador able to bring to our attention from Israel? First of all, you are right. One of the one of the tasks that every ambassador has is, as you say, goods, export, import, cooperation in these realms, etc. But I saw, I thought, the two countries that are quite small, population-wise, that see the world as a market, that are very advanced in their higher education, in their ability to create innovation and technology, these two countries can cooperate together. Yeah. And I was very happy to see that more and more entities understood it from both sides, even though geographically we are quite far away mm -hmm. and we have different cultures. I'm sure you've been to Israel. You, you saw the Israeli culture, yeah. the, which is different. But I thought that this is the beauty of it, to mix two cultures that yeah. are different and not in order to live together, but in order to cooperate together, yeah. is a very beautiful thing uh, in the case of Israel and Norway. And uh, I think that, uh, again, the pandemic uh, halted us, unfortunately, yeah. for yeah. two, two and a half years, which was an impediment. But I think that we've put some basis, mm. and I do hope that even some of the viewers that see us now yeah. Uh, know or uh, understand how much Israeli-Norwegian cooperation on science and technology and economics and export and import and uh, high-tech is important and can yield blessings both for Norway and for Israel. And I do hope that this wave will continue. Do you see an increase in, uh, in the uh, trade between our nations? Yeah, first of all, the numbers show an increase on your exports uh, as well uh, to Israel, quite significant ones. But I think, as I said, that cooperation today in mm -hmm. this world that is, is a global village. Yeah. It's a global village and in a strange way the pandemic made us even more global village because you couldn't fly and you, could, you had to cooperate in order to survive. So I think that uh, it will increase in the future much, yeah. much more. Exactly. Now, when you came to Norway in 2018 as an ambassador, uh, of course, the Abrahamic Accords concept was not really in, uh, in our vocabulary, yeah. but that has happened. Yeah. Isn't this a huge transformation? I, I agree with you more than 100%. It's a huge transformation. It shows how countries can put aside the hatred, the decent, the misunderstanding, the boycotts, which I can't understand. Why would people boycott? If you want to convince, you don't boycott. You talk, you dialogue, you cooperate, and then you try to convince. Anyway, this is now the spirit in the Middle East between Israel and many countries. Mm. Uh, and I'm very happy to see it. Uh, in one of my diplomatic tasks, I represented Israel in Jordan. So I know the Middle East, I know the Israeli-Middle uh, Eastern relations, and I'm very, very happy to see that more countries come and say, let's cooperate, let's talk, let's sit around the table and see what we can do together mm -hmm. and not just what we can't do together. 
So I do think the Abrahamic Accords are a huge blessing that will be stronger and stronger in the yeah. future. And I do hope uh, that more and more people will see, first of all, of course, the international or the regional benefits that the Abrahamic Accords are, playing, are giving, but even the, the personal or, yeah. um, you know, for institutions and for entities and for companies and for research uh, that will see the benefits and will join these yeah. accords, even from far away Norway. Yeah. Uh, well, just a few days ago, uh, we met at the Egyptian ambassador's residence for the Egyptian National Day. And I could see how you and the Egyptian ambassador, the Jordanian, the Moroccan and others were uh, without any problems interacting and, and enjoying many good things together. That, that is, seems also to be an expression of this new age. I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think that, as I said, the importance of dialogue, of conversation, yeah. of agreements and disagreements that are being done with eyes looking into the other eyes. Exactly. Uh, body language, uh, as I said, agreements and disagreements is much stronger, much better can yield to much better results yeah. and outcomes than boycotting and disagreeing and uh, throwing away the cooperation, which is being done by few people. And I'm just sorry for this because those people distance themselves and others from the real vector of cooperation that is happening in front of our eyes. Exactly. It's very difficult to see sometimes history. You have to wait 60, 100 years in order to see history 100 years ago, yeah. uh, to read about it in books. Nowadays, we see a kind of a history being done in the Middle East, as you said, the Abraham Accords and the outcomes of the Abraham Accords. Now, uh, I've been the last two years uh, a guest and a speaker at the Islam Conference in Cairo. And both years, I've started my speeches by uh, saluting the legacy of Anwar Sadat and Menachem Begin, of course, the president of Egypt, the prime minister of Israel in 1979, to bring peace between the nations. And I've noticed the, the pure joy of the Egyptians when I said this. It seemed like they were so proud of that legacy together. Isn't that interesting? Very interesting. And, you know, we in Israel, we cherish the, the memory of these two great leaders. One is Egyptian, the other one is Israeli, that were courageous enough, strong enough, uh, believing people enough. Yeah. Yeah. And not just from the religious point of view, but from the ideological point of view of Okay, hatred is very easy, fighting is unfortunately quite easy, but let's try and see what we can do in the other side, which is peaceful negotiations and then agreements and then cooperation. And even if there are disagreements, let's do something together. So the achievement of these two leaders and Anwar Sadat is being held in Israel mm. uh, time and again, time and again. I still remember I was a high school student when this yeah. happened, uh, when he came to Israel. And uh, this was a hilarious point in which we understood that there is someone courageous on the other side that say, hey guys, Let's talk and let's see what we can get by talking and disagreeing around the table and not disagreeing uh, in a war. So yeah, 
great legacy, as you say, which I do hope will be repeated without wars yeah. prior yeah. to it in the Middle East in the future. Exactly. Um, uh, of course, Europe has been the, uh, the, the, the uh, geographical area where uh, the Jewish people have been grossly mm -hmm. uh, manhandled and uh, slaughtered. Uh, so it's important what happens in Europe. And I, I noted uh, one of my previous guests on my show was Mohammed um, Al-Issa, the uh, mm -hmm. General Secretary of the Muslim World League in Mecca. Yep. And he told me that uh, he goes to France and other places in Europe and teaches young Muslims uh, that uh, the Holocaust really has happened. And he strongly uh, you know, attacked uh, Holocaust denial. And uh, I also noted the same in a conference I hosted in Oslo a couple of months ago, that the Egyptian ambassador, Ahmed Ramadan, he said he warned strongly against Holocaust denial. So th these are also expressions of a new time, right? It's unbelievable. The two examples that you give are so important, yeah. so important. And I think that, you know, this old vicious beast of anti-Semitism, Holocaust denial, etc., that is coming slowly but surely, unfortunately, uh, yeah, in Europe, uh, even in this country, in Norway, uh, is a frightening one. Yeah. Is a frightening one. And I do hope that uh, people will realize that we are in the, almost on the last moments in which something can be done in order to avoid it. I'm very happy that you have mentioned uh, what these two gentlemen have said yeah. uh, concerning it, it's tremendously important. But I think that no less important is that people here and now will here take now. action in order to make sure it doesn't happen, even if they disagree with this or with that. The anti-Semitism, the Holocaust denial, uh, this almost leads, leads us 100 years ago, and I'm coming from a family that was hurt both in Hungary and in yeah, Poland yeah. Uh, by Holocaust. Uh, my father survived uh, the, the war as a child, etc. Mm. So I know it from, from my own family, and seeing it emerging today, going from the I would say from the extremes now, more and more and more, even to the center, um, it's, it's, it's frightening and it's really dangerous to the whole society, yeah. not just to the Jewish people. I will remind everyone that uh, it always begins with the Jews, but it doesn't end with the Jews. Exactly. I'm, I'm concerned when I hear some of my countrymen speak against the Jewish people and, uh, and Israel, I must say, Ambassador. I'm very sorry for that. As I said, disagreements exist. You know, yeah. in the Jewish tradition, in the Israeli tradition, we disagree with each other on almost everything on a daily basis. Sometimes we agree in the morning and we disagree in the evening <laughs> on the same issue. And I think that this is the beauty. You are very open. You've heard something else. You will change your mind a bit, etc. We know how to be ideological, yeah. don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, part of my family is in a kibbutz in Israel. I know what ideology is. It's yeah. very strong, powerful, etc. But on the same time, um, yeah, 
there are some beasts that we shouldn't let uh, flourish and, and, and be stronger. And I think that this is the time to fight them. Now there is, uh, I have to take my note here, because there is a, a, a seems like a very uh, serious attempt to make a comprehensive definition of anti-Semitism by the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, IHRA, and I have the, the quote here, anti-Semitism is a certain perception of Jews which may be expressed as hatred towards Jews. Rhetorical and physical manifestations of anti-Semitism are directed toward Jewish or non-Jewish individuals and or their property toward Jewish community institutions and religious bodies. Is this a gaining ground, this definition? Yeah, it's the famous IRA definition, I-H-R-A, we, we call it IRA. It's a very good definition. Why? Not because we, it has a legal status. It doesn't have a legal status, but it gives a declaration. Yeah. And by the way, it doesn't have to give a declaration just by governments or parliaments or very important people. It can be a football team. Yeah. It can be a mayor in a city. It can be just a community that takes IRA and say, we adhere to IRA. What does it mean? It's a declaration against, as you said, totally biased view of the Jews or the Jewish state, etc. But not just. It is, in the end, against extremism that, as I said, it begins with Jews. It doesn't end with Jews. Mm -hmm. It ends, unfortunately, with very sad consequences to others. So we hope to see IRA declaration more and more spreading, not as a tool. Uh, you cannot put anyone in prison through the IRA declaration. It's a declaration in the yeah. end. It's not a law. But it states something that says, uh, I am against anti-Semitism. I am against this kind of extremism. And I and we are ready to work against it. That's yeah. all. So I do hope that even our viewers will create some kind of waves, even in their own local communities. As I said, there are some countries in Europe uh, in which football teams and just local entities yeah. took a decision to do this, even if they criticize other issues. But on the issue of anti-Semitism, they used IRA as the guiding compass of what is our ideology's boundaries. We don't go to hatred and to violence and to discrimination uh, in double standards, yeah. which is what we, I guess, all agree on. Exactly. Now, uh, something beautiful that uh, I was a part of uh, in November of last year was the, the, the award, uh, the Bridge Building Award. Oh. Uh, uh, our mutual friend, the uh, Norwegian-Pakistani yeah. politician Amir Javid Sheikh, yeah. he initiated this Bridge Building Award and he gave the award last year to Mikhail Melko, the rabbi from Jerusalem, uh, to uh, Dr. Issa, the uh, General Secretary of Mecca, and to the Secretary General of the World Council of Churches. Mm -hmm. That coming together must have been given, must be giving some pretty big hope. You know, to see very, very high-level representatives of the Abrahamic religions, yeah. of the three monotheistic religions, sitting together, talking together, each one of them is giving his unique view on the same issues, 
but in the end by talking, by dialoguing, by saying I slightly disagree with you on this because of... Exactly. That's beautiful, that's wonderful. <laughs> it's not just the award, as you said, I was, uh, I was there as well. I saw the discussion the day after yeah. between the three of them, uh, two of them and one the day before, which was very, very interesting uh, because, as I said, it gave the example and the notion that you can talk and you can discuss even if you come with your own backlog of your own religion and truths and beliefs, which is very nice and very important, not to mention the fact that each one of them is coming with very high credentials of, uh, of other things that they are doing. I know what uh, Rabbi Melchior uh, is doing uh, in his work in order to bring together the faith mm -hmm to talk, to dialogue, to coexist, uh, which is great, great. This is exactly what our communities and our cultures need nowadays, more than ever. So, on the whole, there are some dangerous things, there are some nasty things, but I see, I think I see in your eyes the, the glimmer of hope for, for the future as well. There is always hope, I know. I mean, if there is no hope, what are we doing here? Mm. Uh, there is always a hope. There is always a hope, but as I said before, I'm very realistic. Whenever we see hope and we say to ourselves how important it is to be optimistic, and it is important mm. to be optimistic, we have to be realists. We have to see and to analyze what's happening. We have to read uh, the media with understanding that not everything that is in the media really gives us the right impression of what is happening, of the right factual, uh, um, I would say, reality that is reigning on the ground. So I would say that there should be a mixture always of hoping. Without it, we go nowhere. But on the same time, lots of realism and a trial to see the facts as they are and not as they are being told by one side. And this is something that as an ambassador I think is very important for uh, diplomats, of course, but permit me to say it humbly. I'm not telling anyone how and what to do, but I think humbly that it is important for everyone to do. So I keep it with myself. I'm both realistic and I'm both, uh, yeah, very uh, optimist in the end. And now is it Tel Aviv you'll be moving back to? I'll be living in a small town near Tel Aviv, yes, in the outskirts of Tel Aviv. And uh, for the time being, I'll be, I'll be working in Jerusalem. So I will commute uh, the whole width of this very tiny land called Israel. Yeah, 60 kilometers every day. I know that for Norwegians to hear that 60 kilometers <laughs> is called commuting <laughs> is almost funny. Yeah. But uh, yes, that's the reality from Israel. And uh, I will cherish very much Norway. I will uh, remember Norway as a very, very interesting experience. Sometimes difficult uh, for an Israeli ambassador. But still, I'm not blind to the Norwegian people. I was, I was enveloped with so much love yeah. from some 
individuals and many communities everywhere, everywhere, everywhere I ambassador. I felt it and it warmed, not just, you know, even though we are diplomats and we speak with our brains most of the time, uh, my heart was warmed a lot here in Norway. And I want to thank uh, some of the viewers that saw me and we had a chance to shake hands and even to hug when it was not a yeah. pandemic around. Um, for their help for me to represent Israel here in Norway and to create more and more Israeli-Norwegian connections in so many fields. It was not just me, it was many of those wonderful people who, as I said, enveloped me around. You certainly have so many friends here. Thank you. And now it's your grandkids, three <laughs> grandkids. Are they in Tel Aviv? Now it's my grandkids. They are, uh, one is near Tel Aviv and the other ones are in a small town between Jerusalem and Tel Aviv called Modi'in. So then you'll have them on your lap and you'll be running around. Exactly, exactly. Enjoy. I don't have to tell you with all due respect to our work, when <laughs> it comes to grandchildren, the calculation is different. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. Yes, it's going to be a lot of grandkids. And it's going to be work, as always. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you personally, uh, Ambassador Alonroth, Your Excellency, for receiving us again and all the good conversations I've been allowed to have with you. Thank you so much and for this final ambassadorial conversation for this time. Thank you very much. And thank you so much. I would like through you again to thank all the viewers that really uh, kept both of us yeah. being seen and heard during uh, those four years. And uh, God bless all of us, uh, health and lots of prosperity for the young and for the less young of ours. And God bless Thank you, Ambassador Alan Roth. Thank you very much.